It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara roars away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Sprint Lane, the Harness Racing New South Wales podcast. Paul Cochran with you. We are live from Tape Court Park, Menangle. Once again, as always, Jess Watkins, Freddie Hastings, and this week's special guest, Glenn McElhenney. Welcome to the show, team. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Look at the kit on GMAC. Look at him. (laughs) Hey, ch- I can't believe out. they let him into the racetrack <laughs> wearing <laughs> South Sydney gear. Yeah, fair dinkum. We had to take for those obviously listening on the podcast a, a, a visual uh, visual reference is very difficult to comprehend. But he is adorned in uh, glory, glory South Sydney shirt. We had to take the cap off him, Freddie. I know, I know. But uh, I think he's worn this especially just to upset me, knowing that I'm a, a staunch rooster supporter, and of course they're mortal enemies, the rabbitos and the roosters. And he always reminds me how good Souths are going when they actually the rare occasions that they do beat the Roosters. Well, Jess has been uh, uh, stuck in conversation with GMAC before the show about Parramatta. I have. We went to the game just the other week together and he didn't let me forget that they smashed us that night. <laughs> yeah, and me as the um, as the Queenslander is latching on to the Cowboys, so I, I, I've already told you you're not even going to be in the grand final. So. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. It'll yeah. all be revealed on Friday night. Hey, Glenn, must be a great time to be a South Sydney supporter this time of the year. You, uh, you guys never is. miss. You never yeah. miss. Yeah, yeah, we've been to the uh, spiritual home of the Roosters for the last three weeks and we've got a better record than they have. Indeed, yeah. yes. Don't yeah, remind me. It's a great time of year. Of course, we're a racing podcast, though, and um, you know, last week we started talking about the Queen and, and that took us in a different direction away from racing. Um, a, a quick reflection on that, Freddie, the, the pageantry and the, and the overwhelming respect and the amount of the, how solemn that was last night. What a moment in history. The outpouring, and it was one of those moments where... You'll remember those that watched it and, 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 and listened. We'll never forget it, the, the precision, the military precision and the solemnness and 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 just the respect that was shown was, was something unbelievable. So something I won't forget, and I'm sure those that saw it, uh, they won't forget it either. Glenn, um, with all due respect, you've been around a little bit longer than me. I mean, our queen, I mean, for me, she's always been our queen. I mean, for all of us on this panel, um, a real moment in history, wasn't it? It certainly was, yeah. Like uh, when I heard it, uh, I had a little bit of an emotion because, like you said, she's been around for 70 years. She's been around longer than all of us. So, yeah, and I'm pretty much for a tradition. And the way it went off last night, it was just like, you know, and, and it's steeped in history, everything yeah. everything about it. Just a remarkable show. Um, okay, so we've talked royalty, we've talked footy. Uh, Jess, it's been a big week in racing too, hasn't it? What, what's been, the, um, what's, what's stood out for you? Yeah, it's been a massive week in racing. Of course, we saw the carousel here on Saturday night and Lucky Lodge was successful in that. We saw Port A Prince get up and score and I think, Freddie, you might have run third there with Heaven on High. So that would have been exciting for you as an owner. Massively big and and, uh, well done to Port A Prince. I mean, this is a horse that came across the ditch with Heaven on High. Both obviously have talent. Uh, Heaven on High, he was a bit... he was. Yeah, we, we were hoping to lead, uh, uh, get around Port-au-Prince, but Robbie was able to click through and hold the top. So we took uh, leaders back initially and then Tay-Tay came around. We were three pegs and then the speed just dropped out of the race. And that was never going to be advantageous for us, um, our, our horse. And then at the top of the straight, he, he just, again, the wheel seemed to spin while he was looking for clear air. In the end, Blake went back to the inside. He probably spotted Tay-Tay maybe 10, 12 metres on the turn, uh, ran them both to around four metres. So, look, he, he's going good, our horse, but congratulations to uh, to Lucky Lodge and, and Port-au-Prince. Very, very nice horse, and we always expected that, that he would be. It's been a big week in racing. Let's go around the grounds. So, as we said, Port-au-Prince, uh, that, that was a huge race. We actually flagged Tay-Tay. We said the market liked Tay-Tay last week and didn't quite deliver uh, a big... A big uh, run in that event, Freddie, probably wasn't that surprising. Yeah, look, she's a quality mare and, and she's going to be very competitive in the mare's races. We saw her run third in a Group 3 mare's race and then she's come out and run uh, run second in a Group 2 after making trying to make all and it was only a good horse that was able to beat her. Um, she's certainly a, a mare that we're going to see better things of as we start to head into carnival time. Yeah, Glenn, did you have a look at that one? I thought we saw, I thought the trifecta was three pretty good ones in that. 
Yeah, I had a quick look. I was actually engaged somewhere else on Saturday night, so I just watched the replays. And as everybody's already commented, congratulations to Lucky Lodge. Um, I think Peter uh, Roberts followed in the footsteps of his father and won a carousel now. So, you know, there's a little, little bit of tradition there, and congratulations to him. We had uh, a driving – you mentioned Blake Fitzpatrick. I actually thought it was a pretty good drive from Blake uh, in, in the end, the way you have to – at a fine, clear air. Uh, he, he was able to duck and weave, and, and it's something that Blake does really well. He reads the home running up here at this track particularly well, and he, he was trying to get to the outside of the McDowell runner, um, Black Onyx, and, and there just wasn't enough room. So rather than try to force the issue, he, he dived back to the inside. Horse made ground, uh, ran through the line. Uh, and he's in good form, Blake. He's he's doing a, a great job at the moment. He had a tr- he had a training driving double there at, at Menangle on Saturday night. Uh, Jalanil and Caligula. Look, I'm not going to claim Caligula as a black book, but it was one that I did earmark that did? was in that uh, race. So did. bang, first tick to me, Freddie. Uh, oh, we, we need some. We need a round yeah, of applause. Actually, I've, I've got that. Hang on. Well done, Paul. Well done. The beauty, the, the first applause, canned laughter or, or applause or whatever we want to have in the show. We need um, canned laughter sometimes. Tough Monarch was in that race. Fifth, uh, obviously in the veteran status now. Where is Tough Monarch at, Freddie? I thought he plugged up the straight, but he's just too good a horse. Uh, he, he'll, uh, you know, I'm sure Rick will work him out and he'll, he'll bounce back. But he was just flat-footed there. He is getting into that veteran league now, but he has been a great horse for so long. And... He's been a champion trotter, particularly here in New South Wales, and to that very reason, you don't ride off a champion. Uh, the love that, that Rick has for that horse, Glenn, oh, I spent some time with, with Ricky at, the, at his property before the Inner Dominion, and we did a feature on Tough Monarch. Just means so much. And I guess the good horses, you do get super attached, and they feel like your own children, I guess. Uh, yeah, I've watched that horse come through the grades, yes, and... Him and Ricky have got a great affinity and you know, I don't blame Ricky for loving him. He's, he's won a couple of group ones for him and it helped launch his career because Ricky was, prior to Tough Monarch, was known as a horse breaker and he got him to break him in and progress through the grades with him and yeah, he's, he's helped launch Ricky's training and driving career. If you're in and around Menangle all the time, Jess, you see Ricky and Tough Monarch, um, it means a lot to him, hey? It does. He just loves that horse. And why wouldn't he? Like you just touched on, Glenn, he won a few group ones there. And Rick was able to take him over to New Zealand a few years ago and win a group one over there. So that would have been special. And I'm sure he'll always hold a place in his heart. I mentioned Caligula. And the reason that one jumps out to me is because I'm a big fan of the, the 90s independent rock scene. And, you know, that Aussie band did the, did the cover of Tears of a Clown back when I was at uni. Uh if we continue on that vein of thought, can't find a better man. Uh, Luke McCarthy, it was a typical Luke McCarthy drive. Get to the front, stay there, and no one's going to beat me, Glenn. Yeah, Luke's had a quiet little winter recess after being in Queensland, and this is normally what happens. He has his little break, recharges himself, recharges his horses, and, yeah, it won't be uncommon to see Luke winning three and four races on a Saturday night. There was three for Belinda, the training stakes major jealous. Uh winning the last for Jack Brown. Jack Brown did had a good night. Double, Jess? Yeah, he had a very good night. Of course, he partnered with Orchard Stride, which he's done a great job with her, and that was for his boss, Jack, Jack Trainer, before partnering with Major Jealous for Belinda. So he's definitely a young driver on the rise, and I think he's only about 18 years old mm. and has already That's driven right. in excess of 60 winners. So he's definitely progressing really well in his career. We were excited about Expensive Ego. So among those three that Belinda won, Expensive Ego was one of them. Look, won the race. Uh, what do we make of that run? 154? 2300, I think he's done all right. I, I think first up, we saw him blow the cobwebs out in a mile trial here, breaking 150. So, yeah, one, 154 mile rate for 2300 metres. Huge run, the second horse. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable the way it attacked the line, Stingray Tara, uh, for, for Jack Trainer, And uh, it, it's, well... I'll say it now, it's my horse to follow. Uh, when we get to that segment yeah. a bit later, there's a little insight. I, I think this run was huge. But look, expensive, Ego, 154, nothing wrong with that time. Again, it was rinse, repeat, Luke, get to the front and stay there. And that's how yeah. it worked for expensive, Ego, and hung on. Um, uh, for the triple four, uh, triple four had a win. Great drive from Brad Hewitt. He's, in, he's at the peak of his powers. Jess, you mentioned Focus Stride before. Uh, that was actually David Wanson's Black Booker. Uh, in oh, that, yeah, hang on. Well done, Wano. Yeah, well done, Wano. Uh, I cut the cut the applause. Yeah, that there. was a short. We can't give him too big a head. Can't go, let him get, but that was uh, that was one that was earmarked. It won in the first. Yep. Orchid Stride um, started, but 
that double for Jack Brown. Uh, fastest of the night. Both of them in the, at uh, 150s. Um, pretty good performance here and a good night for Emilio and Mary Rosado. Rosati, sorry. Yeah, look, they, they've uh, been great supporters of harness racing and uh, with, you know, the medium of their stride horses. Uh, yeah, look, that focused stride, that, that horse trialled really well running second behind Expensive Ego that day that Expensive Ego went 149.7, which is why I think Wano suggested we keep an eye on it. So it was really no surprise for me to see the horse go so well on Saturday. Look, there was a lot of close racing at Menangle on uh, Tuesday. A, a young up-and-comer, uh, Noel Hatcher, 69 years old. Um, Glenn, one, one from one of your mates, I'm, I'm sure. He's only had 22 career winners. He's had one, he had one per season for four of the five season's gone this is his one for this season uh, let's hope there's more he had a winner with Jamboree Arc 69 years old how good uh excellent mate excellent there's nothing wrong with the vintage <laughs> <laughs> but not close racing I mean we, we we talked last week about some real blowout results some massive margins but it's close racing at Menangle on Tuesday kicked it off with a dead heat and yeah. uh and then I think during the course of the afternoon there were a couple of nose decisions um certainly the judge earned his money and, and certainly so did I yeah well that dead heat uh Joshy Gallagher drove um I, I guess we call that half a win for Joshy Gallagher uh he had a double on that Tuesday card though in the last Silk Cloud you know, Silk Cloud's one that we saw come through that obviously was prominent through the Breeders Challenge series last year I thought that was a really good performance from from Silk Cloud Glenn yeah, I didn't watch the race, but yeah, she's been a very good filly and she seems to have come back in good form. You give her a couple of soft runs up around the Dubbo area and come back here and she was race fit and yeah, done the job. Won the last in, in pretty good time. Luke was back in the chair. Uh, had some, so five starts for four wins in this current campaign. Wins at Dubbo Parks and now I'm an angle, Freddie. And Luke has a great affinity with her. Drove her through some of the features last season and she is a very talented race filly. Uh, Jess, Matty Rue, big night at Penrith on Thursday. Trained three winners. He drove two of them, including Darabont in the second. $126. (laughs) Thank you very much. If you managed to find it, congratulations to you because I don't think many people would have. But it was a great night out for Matty. And I think, yeah, he'll be making more trips to Penrith, that's for sure. And the conditions there were very trying. The rain was absolutely teeming down and... It, it was a sight to see, that's for sure. Yeah, look, hats off to the, the track held up brilliantly. I, I actually suspected at one point we may have been going home a bit early um, because the rain was relentless and the, it was continual rain, But you know, which we'll touch on in a moment. Peaceful sat outside them in the Phillies uh, Breeders' Challenge and went 156. So that was a great... And you wouldn't believe it. I've looked at the forecast for this Thursday. They're talking 10 to 20 mil on Thursday. It's kind of like... Oh, it's Thursday, so it'll rain because Penrith's on. It's just become that way. But, but look, that um, that effort by uh, by Matt was terrific. Uh, comes down and uh, it, with Darab on one hundred and twenty six dollars, I could have had eight picks in the race, and I probably wouldn't have tipped it. I was going to say to you, you're a student when you're calling, and uh, I, I wondered whether you managed to identify Darab. Ah, oh, it's a great performance. I had a chat I to will. Matty uh, actually on Sunday there at Cower, and he was pretty happy with that performance. Uh, we had some Breeders Challenge racing going on around the place. Um, Really impressive colt for Brad Hewitt in the triple play syndicate. Third in the APG final, uh, Captain's Knock had a winner. Yeah, look, uh, sat uh, in behind, got to the outside very wide and uh, came home and beat Smirks like a boss who was the favourite. Uh, very nice horse, Captain's Knock, and uh, he's capable of you know progressing through the series. Glenn, I, I've got no doubt. Oh, for sure, for sure. Brad does a great job with the younger horses and, yeah, you've got, he's got the right breed too. So. Oh, it's in the genes, yeah. Jess Cameron Ross, he's got uh, peaceful, absolutely purring. That's three in a row now. She just looks incredible, doesn't she? We know she's the daughter of the champion, Mayor Frith. And on Thursday night, peaceful managed to work to be outside the leader from Barry 11 as soon as the gate said go. So a very strong performance. And like you just touched on, Freddie, she recorded a 156 mile rate sitting from the chair around Penrith. So in the wet. In, in the in wet. Terrible. That's right. That was probably as heavy as the rain had been around that time, races five and six. And that was a phenomenal effort to, to carve out that time, sitting parked. Nice horses uh, in, yeah. in, in, in and around her uh, in the placings, but she's, uh, she's quality. One of the great things about the Breeders' Challenge is it does get out to the regions. Uh, the two-year-old fillies were in action at Young uh, during the week. Uh, comfortable win for hot favourite Delilah Rose there at Young for Blake Jones and Wayne Sullivan. We were at Newcastle as well. Sweet Lou for Melanie Elder. That's back-to-back wins for... Uh, for her gelding, Sweet Lou. Uh, 
Also at Newcastle, uh, Robbie Morris uh, had a double there. He had back-to-back good prices too. Freddie Uke on Black Edition, both at about the $7.50 range. Robbie's got a great record up at the Newcastle track on Fridays. He makes the trip up there and it's very seldom, uh, whether it's the Monday or the Friday, it's very seldom Robbie doesn't come away uh, or the stable uh, with winners. And they certainly did that again on Friday. Uh, young up-and-coming driver Tommy Ison, who is just a star there in that in that Newcastle and, and particularly around that Tamworth area, he had a treble on that card, including a winner, uh, Burnham Boy uh, went through the Inter Dominion series, first win in almost a year for Kevin Pizzuto, the bro. Uh, G Mac, he'd be pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, Kevy's a, a very entertaining person, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, Blake Hughes, uh, he also uh, he had a double on that card for Clayton Harmy. A real exhibition. We throw if we say you know Tommy Ison and and Blake Hughes, five winners between them. Some real good up and coming youthful drivers, Jess. That's right. It's a testament to the talent, the younger talent here in New South Wales, and especially in that Hunter region. You throw in the likes of Grace Panala and Gemma Coney up there, and the sport's definitely in good hands. That's for sure. In the same vein, Blake Mickliff at Wagga on Friday, he won three of the first four on the card there for, for young Buzz. Uh, he's going places as well. Also on that program, a, a double for Trevor White. Real good bloke who, who does, his, does his thing down there in the River Arena. Um, the back half of that program, he had a double uh, with Peter McRae doing the steering there. Of course, the same duo, Freddie, that, that won the state final of the Tab Regional Championships and both got their first group one each. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was a big night for, for both Trevor and uh, and for Peter with uh, Defy, Defy. But um, just, just a, a good combination. Trevor generally picks up winners wherever he sends his horses around, but he's pretty hard to beat at his home deck. We talked about one last week that put an absolute space job on them. Isabel Ross did the driving. Well, I reckon Amanda Turnbull said, uh, hey, this is pretty good, is he? Off, off you get. I'm jumping back on. Uh, she had four winners there at Bathurst uh, during the week. Splash of Crimson. Looks like a fairly talented um, horse that she's got on her hands there. Yeah, well, we saw what it did last week. It was, a, what was it, 50-plus metres, yeah. the, the winning margin. And, uh, of course, uh, Amanda, four winners. That's just commonplace now I think if she doesn't drive three or four you sort of wonder uh, you know and, and remember it was a seven race card uh, yeah you know so she, she's just phenomenal yeah, and, well, and the team's flying well she won four Nathan won two of them and Ash Grives got in as the, f- the fly in the ointment the, 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 yeah, upset the apple cut yeah. how good's Nathan Turnbull's uh, stable going at the moment, Glenn. They're, they're, he's Nathan's getting flying. a stack of winners yep. yeah no he's, he's picked up the, his I game will. a little bit I think um Amanda's uh, inspired him a bit, and he's matching motors with her at the moment. Yeah, he was uh, kicking around through the through the regions during the week. Did you have a look at Goulburn yesterday? Yes, um, Pippo oh. Nian for for um, for Nathan. That was a peach for drive it, coming up on the pegs. It was, and that's owned by Nathan's wife Carly as well. So keeping it in the family, which yeah. is great. Yeah, um, some really good racing around the place. Uh, Brad Hewitt, I, I thought he he produced um, some of the best driving I've seen during the week. He had a double at Goulburn yesterday. At, it's called Bosch, which of course is the the power tools and dishwashers and whatever you get. Oh, it reminded me, for some reason... You're looking I, for a free appliance. By yeah, maybe, wash maybe we can get a sponsor's, a sponsor's <laughs> point through. Bosch might line. sponsor us. I had this mate when I was at school and, and, and um, for some reason he used to call everyone Bush and when I saw it, I, he'd be like, how you going, Bush? How you going, Bush? I don't know what it meant. I don't know why he was calling people Bush, but when I saw that horse pop up, I thought, I've got to write that down. Uh, it gave me uh, memories of going back to high school. A million I, years ago. I try so. to forget my, my <laughs> memories. Of I, I, I was a little bit absent, a uh, bit of an absentee uh, professional, especially when Richmond trots on the grass on a Tuesday <laughs> we're on, but that's another story for another day. We talked about uh, Montalbano for Ricky Elshin, mm. um, how dominant it was uh, well, a week a week or so ago. Geez, yeah. you start to lose track after a while. I don't know how you go, Freddie, with the amount two, of racing. It was two also. Tuesdays ago, yeah. yeah um, another winner yesterday, but you know, obviously the, the margin was a lot narrower. And Van Basten, I'm assuming, named after the famous um, famous Dutch football, assistant coach with the Dutch football team. Well, at the he's moment. been everything with he, he played for Ajax, of Ajax. course, and uh, AC and Milan, AC Milan yeah. for a long time, and uh, footballer of the year, and yeah. golden boots, and goodness knows what else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it has to be uh, named after. I can't think of any other. Nah. He didn't play for South, did he? Uh, well, I'm sure you'd tell us if he did. Latrell Van Basten or something like that. Yeah. That'll do. Uh, Cameron Hart uh, also had a winner there with Naturally Gifted, um, owned by Jake Stockton, who's, um, who's taken over there at Wingate Farm and then revived there. So, uh, good week for Cam. Uh, one of the things that happened there on Saturday night wasn't, wasn't in our backyard, but uh, it was the Australian Drivers' Championships in South Australia. 
we sent Cameron Hart and Grace Pinella to represent New South Wales. They both held themselves really well. Cam nearly won it, actually, GMAC. Yep, yeah, he's a he's an extremely good talent. Um, he can get the good horses to run good, and he, he gets the best out of the average horses. So yeah, he's been a revelation since he moved to Sydney. That's for sure. He had a, a he had a place early in the card on something that was one hundred and twenty to one or something like that. Like you know, so that, that's testament to his ability, isn't it, Freddie? That he can oh. he can get the best out of horses that he probably never sat behind before. He he gets all the good drives now as a rule especially here in Sydney. But when he first came up here, he was driving for, I, I'm going to say, the, uh, the, the the lesser known stables and getting their horses to win. And he, he was able to produce some amazing drives when he first came here uh, for the lesser known stables. And as a consequence, he became uh, popular with the, the uh, in vogue trainers. And, and now look where he's at. He's a multiple group one winning driver. Um, but that, that was one aspect of his driving when he started was he could get horses that were out of form, uh, from the, the lesser-known barns to perform. And, and, and not everyone can do that. So I yeah. thought that was that stamped him way back a couple of years ago as being a driver of enormous potential. Good performance from Grace as well. Mm. Jess? Yeah, she, she, Grace know, she is doing... Yeah, she got a winner down there, which is great for her. And I think they were just both fantastic representatives for our state here in New South Wales, and they did us proud. Cam, actually, uh, he led them up like, late in that... He, they, uh, they get a set amount of drives under the rules of that... that competition that series the Australian Drivers Championships he led him up in the last he had something it was about a eight dollar shot or something like that he led him up and I thought here we go he might actually be in a shot he he needed that win to put himself in the frame in the end he fell two points short in the overall, wasn't, overall wasn't tally. Wasn't yeah which was a great performance from Ken but um we, we saw an exit we sent obviously two of our youngest and brightest talents from across the state Glenn um and there's such a, a fleet of these young, exciting, you know, but, but so talented drivers getting around. Um, what's your thoughts on the, on the current crop? They're, they're pretty good, aren't they? Oh, they are. And one thing about them, most of them are showing a, a fair sense of uh, levelness about them. They're not getting big heads and not getting carried away with themselves. You know, you're only as good as your last drive. So, yeah, they, they're all pretty good. Yeah, I get on good with most of them. I feel like their grandfather at times, but, yeah, I get on. <laughs> you look like them. No. <laughs> How do you approach it? How do you approach it? You, you know, you, you sort of see these young punks coming through and think, hang on, and your stripes, and then they get out there and they put on a show and you think, all right, you're a bit ahead of your years here. Uh, it's, it's pretty hard to compete with some of them. They're, they are pretty good, um, you know, especially Cam, Jack Culligan. As you said, when you go north, you've got to put up with um, Tom Ison and Gemma Coney and yeah, the list and Blake Hughes. Right, I get all good with Blake yeah, Hughes. Yeah. So when the list just goes ask on. Ask for advice. Do, do any of those younger drivers come to you, you know, respectfully and ask for any advice or anything like that? Uh, when I was getting around a little bit more often, yeah, I yeah. helped Blake Hughes out in the stewards' yeah. room a fair bit. Um, yes. But I don't get around as much as sure. I used to. So, but they're, they're all still respectful when they see oh, me. Yeah. They, you know, they they know I've been around a little bit. Yep. Yep. And that's the other part. I, I think you make a really good point there because there's the the talent on the. There's the talent that goes into being able to deliver a performance on the track. There's the, the prep and that, there's that side of it and, and, and doing the, the hard yards and getting a horse race ready. But then there's the other side of it when you've got to go in and sit in a steward's room and, you know, and, and give some level of explanation about what happened out on the track. They're, they're all different skill sets, aren't they? Ah, correct, yeah. And it's something you've got to learn. And, and I, I, my advice to most of them when they walk in the room is listen to what's being said. Don't go in there with a set mind. Just listen to what's being said and it'll all unfold and, you know, if you're in the clear, you're in the clear. Yeah, I had a good chat to Steve Turnbull about along those lines too and we actually put a, put a microphone and a camera on him the night when he looked like he was going to get his 4,000th winner there in Bathurst and, and, uh, and he, had to, he was giving some advice to Blake Mickaliff and, and, and even, his, even his son there, um, you know, with going in and, and talking to the stewards and, and the way he approached it was just, you know, that seasoned veteran, but the advice and that. I, I think there's some real key learnings that despite the impeccable talent of some of our youngsters, I think that's where there's some key learnings that can really, you know, people like yourself, Glenn, and, you know, and Steve Turnbull and some of the people who've been around the traps and have earned their stripes can really pass on to the next generation. And they've also got to be willing to want to take that information on. And I think, as you've just said, a lot of them are very much willing to, you know, they're not big-headed, they're not, they're, they're pretty level-headed uh, youngsters. So that's the first step. They've got to want to receive that that guidance from, 
you know, those that have done it way before them. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a snapshot of around the grounds. I, I will mention on that that Morris Logue, our, our um, head of welfare at Harness Racing New South Wales, is doing some great work in working with, with those younger drivers and, and, in fact, all the drivers around the place and getting them up to speed on that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Morris after, in the next segment. So what, what we want to talk about, it, look, uh, while we've positioned ourselves as having a bit of a laugh and a bit of fun, um, th- there's a really serious topic that is out there at the moment. And, and it's not just in racing, but racing's now picking up, I guess, picking up some of the, um, the duty of care that goes into, um, you know, around concussion protocols and, and, and those type of matters. And obviously, you know, obviously, Glenn, you, you, you're a Mad Bunnies fan and we see it week in, week out in the, in the, in the football with you know, um, HIA protocols. I know my sport um, primarily has been cricket and, and how it's integrated some of these some of these factors, but racing in particular has uh, probably upped its game now and we're coming to a point where we've got driver licence renewals on the 1st of January and part of the conditions for driver's licence renewals will be that all drivers have to go through a cognitive testing process and I mentioned Morris Logan, he's really driving that at the moment. And, and to give some context to the listeners out there on what what is happening is is all drivers will under supervision do what what is called a baseline test, and it's on it's on a computer, and it's in the it's in, I said essentially quiet conditions, so that your your brain is functioning at its best possible capacity, and and you answer the questions, and it's how you respond, the time, all these different factors are taken into account, and then we say right, well that's that's what baseline is. So then, and Touchwood, we, we don't go through it, but unfortunately it happens in our racing environments. Falls do happen. Then a decision is made then around, well, how does their current state after taking a knock and, and, a, and a head knock, and there's different degrees on how that, that happens, whether it's full concussion or just simply a fall and a head knock. And I've got some helmets away to the side from me which show some of the abrasions on helmets and that the, the drivers go through. So then it marries up and says, well, is this driver ready to go back out and, and, and go again? Um, Freddie, uh, before I get to Glenn, because Glenn, you've been through some of this and you're about to go through what, what the, the current phase is. Freddie, what, what's your thoughts on this next level of, I guess, taking more duty of care and, and, and put think, doing this baseline testing? Yeah, look, I think there are many aspects. There's obviously the duty of care you touched on, uh, driver welfare. There's also the welfare of other drivers you know, who may have to then compete with a driver who has had a head knock. And then you've obviously got the horse welfare because you don't want them being, you know, injured through someone having had a concussion. So I think there's a couple of different steps. Obviously, you know, we don't want anyone suffering serious injury uh, in a fall, but there needs to be a measure in place, I, I believe, like they have in so many other sports nowadays because it's become such a prominent thing. We hear about it all the time. We hear about, you know... Different leagues around the world, you know, NFL for example, they've got lots of stuff going on with, with concussion and, and the head head trauma through, through through sport. Same thing happens, you've got a driver who's wearing a vest and they've got a helmet, well if their head's bobbling around when they've hit the deck, I mean there's going to be some issue there for their, for their you know, head injury. So I think the baseline establishes where they're at the most cognitive uh, of their capacity and then after a, a head knock I guess it'll be a... a Another test to determine where they're at in terms of their, their concussion. And obviously if they, they pass it, a bit like a HIA, you get the 15 minutes, I think mm. it is, to, uh, to pass. If they pass, well then they can continue driving. Because generally, it, it, without this, they'd probably be ruled out almost immediately. Yeah, um, so, so with that, I, and I, I spoke to Morris about this at the moment, like depending on the degrees of that head knock... Yeah. Let's say it's in the first. Let's say we've got a big feature night on and there's miracle good ones coming night. up. Let's go Miracle Bowl night. <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you have a fall in the first race Yep. and the rule, you have a head knock, bang, you're out. That's it. You're done for the night. Now, under the cognitive testing process and the baseline of being able to pair that up and marry it up, that driver may not be in such a degree of impairment that they can't carry on later on. But the current rule without this baseline testing says you're done for the night. But any testing post a fall gives the opportunity to clear them and or, you know, have the situation where um, they are ruled out. And so so I think without on. that exactly. without that testing that goes on after a fall, 
um, it, it, it can be a real issue. So I, I'm all for it. Um, easy for me to say. Um, chances of me getting a concussion is probably bumping my head on the binoculars. Yeah. But well, uh, what this man has to go through out there yep. in a race scenario, that's that's probably more pertinent we hear from him. Yeah, Glenn. And what, so just to start, um, I understand that drivers are at a point where they're still getting coming to terms with what the, the expectation is. Uh, I'm aware that you've booked in. So, and, and again, I'll give a little bit more context before I sort of pour into this question, is that and I said before that the, the baseline testing will be done under supervision. And the reason it's done under supervision is there is precedent in other codes of people getting their mother to do it. And, well, what's the point when you try and marry it up? You're not going to give the same responses. So... Um, each driver will do it under supervision. Morris Logue will supervise that. That doesn't require a degree of expertise for someone to supervise. So let's clarify that because I know that there has been that, well, what qualifications does Morris Logue have? I can tell you that Morris is a supervisor under that process. I am also aware that you have now registered to, to go through the process yourself. So you'll sit there and Morris will literally make sure that you're doing what you need to do on the computer. Yep. Um, and I know that some drivers of us are speculative, the glass, glass half, half full, half empty, however we want to look at it around this process, but it's for the better of everyone. How are you, how are you feeling about it well, all? Well, I've got to be honest. When I was first informed about it, we all got an email, and I was very sceptical about it because of what's going on here. Are they testing people so they can say, right, you can't have your licence anymore because you, you don't pass the standards. But then when it was explained to me a little bit more, I understood it and I've got no problems with it, you know, like it, it's for the betterment of the industry and further down the line, um, I think I had a conversation with John Dumasy a couple of years ago that, um, you know, fur further down the line, if they don't take action now and someone has a bad head knock and he's cleared to go back out in the track and they have complications later in life, well, then it'll fall back on the Harness Racing Authority because of the duty of care. So I can't see anybody complaining about it. You know, we all don't like taking tests. So, you know, we'll, there'll be a few people a little bit nervous, but, you know, as you said, it's only to find out you're averaged. And, yep. yeah, so if you do have a fall and they have to test you to clear you back to drive, and as you said, you wouldn't want to miss out on a, a Group 1 drive because under the policy at the moment, if you fall you're out. But if, if you were able to be cleared for two hours later and you can get back in and drive that group race, well, yeah, it's got to be a good thing. Yeah. Um, I did ask you this before we came on air. Are you comfortable with this? So uh, you've been through some pretty nasty faults. Yep. What do you go through immediately after it? Uh, I've only ever been knocked out once. I was driving at Penrith a few years ago. I was on a horse called Double Standard for Harry Martin. And... Um, I could see that trouble was coming and we were trying to clear it, but unfortunately the driver behind us couldn't see what was going on and he just hit us from behind and shunted me over the top of the horse. And I don't remember anything after that until I actually come off the track and apparently the medics had cleared me and I walked off the track and one of the first people I seen was Jessica Watkins and her father and they said, how are you? Mac and I said, yeah, I'm all good. Can you go and get me a scotch and coke? <laughs> and I don't drink scotch <laughs> and coke. So that was alarm bells for a couple of people. Then I went and sat down on the bench outside the stewards room at Penrith. Um, and that night I took a couple of horses for my daughter. She had to stay home and look after the kids. And uh, a couple of people come up and said, um, what gear do these horses wear? And I said, what horses? I said, I never bought any horses. They said, yes, you did. And they took me over and I had a look at the horse and I said, I've got no idea what you're talking about. And I went sat sat down again and Robert Morris went into Chief Stewart at, at the meeting, which was Chris Paul, and said, you better call an ambulance. He said, this bloke don't know where he is. And, yeah, it all unfolded. It took me most probably 18 hours before my brain was working back where they'd say it's where it should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the extreme. That's that's a that's a concussion. And, and under the current system... you. Clearly, you wouldn't be cleared to drive. Have you had, have you had other slight falls where you haven't been as ex your conditions haven't been as extreme? Yeah, plenty of them, plenty of them, especially at Penrith. You know, because I compete there a lot. I've had a couple of falls at Penrith where I've hit the deck and you, you've been a bit sore on that, and you just sneak away and rest, 
and then you go back out, no one's stopping you from going out because those protocols weren't there. As long as you look like you're okay, get back out and go again. And as Fred brought up a little while ago, you know, now we're in a duty of care, you know, that driver might look all right, but when he goes out and starts driving, he might make a couple of mistakes mm. and it could be consequences to somebody else. He might get through it all right, but somebody else might get injured. So, mm. yeah, I've got no problems with it. Yeah, um, as I said, when it first came out, we were all a little bit sceptical and wanted to know what they were up to, but once it was explained, I, I don't think anybody should complain about it. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So do you look back on that, because we, we talked about the extreme of it, and then we... And then ones where you've had falls and you th- thought maybe you're okay. In hindsight, were you okay to go back out there? A- and were you as switched on as you would be without be. having that fall? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've, I believe it was only that one time at Penrith. And, and as I said, I'd already been cleared by the medics. They said that apparently they asked me a series of questions when they were treating me and I answered them all and I have no memory of any of that. As I said, the only memory I have is coming off the track and speaking to Jessica and her father. Yeah. Did and you ever yeah. get that scotch and coke? Just, <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> no, I knew I we didn't. didn't like no, it, I so didn't. we never got it. Oh, there you go. Smart yeah. play, smart play. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a significantly um, important issue, but it's a serious issue. And, um, you know, it's, I, I think results are better achieved and better understanding happens out of conversations like this. They're, they can be hard conversations, but... You know, it's, it's interesting you say, you know, you've found a little bit more clarity and peace of mind through the conversation and better understanding of it. And, you know, and, and that, that door will continue to be knocked, you know, across the industry. I know that Morris has actually already done a lot of these already. So Broken Hill, for example, is one that he's already done all the drivers in that area. And um, what drivers can do, it's, it's not, a, not designed to be a daunting or labour-intensive process, is do that booking and there's a... The, all the information's on the Harness Race in New South Wales website. Morris, Morris's details are available to everyone and just make that booking, that email booking and go through it. Thank you for doing it yourself, Glenn. I know you haven't done it yet, but you've booked in. That's the first Yeah, bit. yeah, we're there. We're Probably the hardest bit, actually, is, is actually making the booking for a lot yes, of people. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, no, it's fantastic. Um, that is, I guess, a little, bit of a, a little bit more of an understanding around cognitive testing. We'll, we'll spend a bit more time talking about that as time goes on obviously but the message to drivers out there get in make the booking contact morris book in because we want to uh, we want to get this right and make sure that your that your license isn't uh, isn't held up in any way because of because of this okay so it has been a big week uh glenn i reckon the best thing that you saw this week's probably something that's probably sitting somewhere around your chest at the moment with the bunnies right <laughs> Yeah, I went to the game on Saturday night. I won't be bashful. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get past the Panthers, though? That's uh, They're only a blimp. <laughs> what are they? The they're cats, aren't they? They're cats. <laughs> oh, no comment. <laughs> Freddie, what's the best thing you saw this week? We touched on it. Matt Rue doesn't come to Penrith very often. Um, of course, has driven there plenty of times when he worked for the McCarthy uh, barn going back uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, but to take three horses uh, to the track at Penrith on Thursday in those conditions, $126 winner. He also won with, uh, he trained uh, uh, Regal Reggae and he also uh, trained and drove We Own a Misfortune. So he had a th- uh, trained three, drove two of them, one of them at 126 He's a good young man and uh, well done to him. He uh, got around Penrith in the wet and handled it well. Fantastic. And we're going to get Matty on the show at some point too when he's when he's uh, here for a, for a Tuesday drive. He's here this afternoon actually Uh but uh, I've already lined him up one week. We're going to set it up and get Maddie on the panel. Uh, Jess, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to touch on a bit of hashtag Riverina form here. And in the last at Young last Tuesday night, Michaela Towers, she's only 17 years of age, but she saluted for her first career driving win. And it was aboard Golden Reason. That's trained by her dad, Michael, and owned by her mum, Sarah. So her family has quite a large involvement in the sport from both sides. So I'm sure they were all very proud of her. And it'll be the first of many for Michaela. All right. Well, I've kept my powder dry on this one, and I didn't mention it in the weekly wrap because I wanted to give it the, the attention it deserves. I want to really um, clap my hands. Actually, hang on, I should. There we go. I could do that. I've got the got the button to push to to make that happen. Uh, the Cowra Harness Racing Club. Well done, guys. They put on a sensational show on Sunday for the first meeting of the Carnival of Cups program. Now they had they had the last. Uh, meeting on the on the previous rotation in June, and that town really suffered through COVID. 
it did it tough and a lot of businesses closed down. The club were really honest and said, hey, look, it's not, the town isn't really ticking over how we would like, but it's starting to rejuvenate. Things are on the right track and we are really putting our focus on September, on, on the first race meeting. Now, we, at Harness Racing New South Wales, we rolled out the new branding, the new look, the new logo, T-shirts, you know, stubby coolers, all these sorts of little bits and pieces. Now, that's one thing, that's fine, but it needs a club that really rolls up its sleeves and makes an effort. And I tell you what, they did an amazing job. Uh, Alicia Carlin, Jack Wade... And Rosalie and Daryl Davis, uh, sensational job. They they put on a show like we like. Cara hasn't seen before. They, I'm hopeless at picking crowds, and you know I'm yet to find someone who's good at it. But easily a thousand people there on track, which is a remarkable performance um, to bring in that many people. They dash down races, which is fantastic. That drove a lot of traffic. But you know, a band, the the vision trackside, the camera looking down, there was people everywhere. It was a sensational day. Well done. I'm so proud of that club. I'm so happy for them because they got rewarded for all the work they did. Yeah. Well done to Kiara. And I actually saw some of the footage from the Dash Hound Dash, which was incredible. Yep. And they should be commended. Like you said, they've just come out of COVID. And I can't wait to see as well the rest of the Carnival Cup meetings that are upcoming because I'm sure all the towns can't wait to well, have feature racing. The bar's been set. You know, mm-hmm. the, I think Kiara's put a, put a pretty good marker in the ground and said, hey, you know, you want to put on a good Carnival Cup show? The challenge is out there. Uh, I spoke to the mayor and one of the councillors there and they were very impressed. And they actually were talking to Peter Carney and myself and said, how can we help you? We want to do more about what Harness Racing puts on a show like this. We're happy to help as a council. So, you know, that's, that's a, a good thing for the future of our sport. Uh, Glenn, you mentioned something that happened on that Cara card, actually, which um, I've already dropped a couple of the names that you, that you were talking about. Uh, it was a, a real uh, marquee moment there on that yeah, Cara race. Yeah, da- Daryl Davis trained one and um, uh, Jack Wade drove it. And, yeah, and Jack gave the... Big whip wave, and I, I was a bit worried that his arm was going to come flying <laughs> off. He really get, got into it, and it was good on him. Uh, I've known Daryl for a little while, um, and Jack used to live around this area, and he moved out to Cowra to get a bit of fresh air and get a better go in life. So it was good to see him. It was fantastic, and um, oh, I can tell you, Jack was only about three quarters of an hour earlier was helping me put flags up tab tab branding flags up, and and so he's gone from being a tireless worker, and as soon as he He'd won that race and had his moment. He was out there running dash hound races on behalf of the club, and that's what yeah, well, that's true, country racing, true that's committee country members club. do. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. So hats off to them. It was fantastic. All right, well, we we spent a lot of time on a really important issue, which was cognitive testing. Um, and, and Freddie, you, you've got to get ready to go out and and call the uh, the Menangle card soon. But we do have. Uh, G Mac here with us, uh, mate. You've had such a such a long, distinguished career in this uh, in this sport. Um, yeah, you're probably at a point where you do start to look back and say, "Gee, I'm pretty happy with what I did." Uh, what are you most proud of? Um, yeah, just um, the longevity. You know, I started driving when I was just shy of my 17th birthday, and I'm just shy of my 63rd birthday. So I've been going a fair while. Um, I like uh, the camaraderie you have with a lot of people. You know, it, it, it's uh, an extra bonus when you drive winners and uh, yeah I've been fortunate enough to drive in a lot of group one races haven't won a lot of them but I've won, I've won a few so I'm pretty happy with my career and your family has such a strong involvement of this in the sport you just mentioned before you're one of 14 kids it is correct and your brothers David Timmy and Adrian are all involved and then also your daughter Tian, your niece um, Caitlin and also your nephew Bryce. It must give you great pride to be out there with your family and have such a strong association with them. It, yeah, it does. Um, you know, Tian and I work very close together. Uh, she trains the horses and she gives me an opportunity to drive them on occasions. But yeah, no, it's good to see the, um, the nephew and uh, my niece Caitlin up at Tamworth going pretty good. Uh, Bryce has relocated to... Queensland, he's up there work for Daryl Graham. So, yeah, he's really enjoying his time up there. Glenn, you um, drove your first winner in 1977. Now, records have been kept from about the 82 season. So, 1977, your, your first winner. How fondly in your memory and, and how clear in your memory does it still stick? And can you put a guesstimate on how many winners you may have had in that period uh, prior to records being kept? Uh the memory of my first win, yeah. I can tell you it was a standing start race at Maitland. Yeah. I was off 10 metres, jumped in behind the leader um, with a lap to go. The leader just drifted off. I pinged up the inside of him and 
yeah, went on and won the race. So, yeah, it, it's pretty fond in my memory. Yeah. Yeah, and what uh, about roughly 20, in that, in that hmm. from 77 to 82, I most probably drove about 20 winners. Okay, okay. Because opportunities, what were they oh, like? Opportunities were rare, yeah. Right. I was working for someone up at in that Maitland area and uh, he would go to Harold Park on a Friday night and I'd get the Friday night drives because in the Hunter in them days they used to race Friday and Saturday night. So I'd get the Friday night drives and when he was back in town, he'd take the Saturday night drives. So you must have seen the industry change over that, that you know, period of decades that you've been part of it. Uh, it's changed a lot, yeah, and some of it's for the better and some of it's not so much. So, you know, it depends on your values. Um, I think it's a shame that we've lost a lot of tracks because when you lose tracks, you lose participants. And I understand that they had to, you know, shrink the market a little bit to try and make it stronger. But as I said, especially some of those country towns that you were just touching on, Cowra and that, you know, when they close them, the people don't move. They give it away because... You know, they're not going to travel hours and hours just to race one horse. So, you know, a lot of those country tracks, they used to race in the summertime and had a good circuit and then they'd all have a rest in the wintertime and then get their horses ready to go again and a lot of them are gone now. Yeah, you just touched then on going to quite a lot of the tracks, but from the 02, 03 season to 06, 07, you drove in excess of 100 winners for each of those seasons. What was the travel like? How far did you have to go and chase those drives and... Yeah, how, how much work was in there? Uh, yeah, basically I was travelling between Newcastle, Sydney and Bathurst and not much further than that, yeah. So I was pretty fortunate in them days. I was associated with Lucky Lodge. I picked up a few drives there through one of their owners they had and from that association, you know, as they say, good things grow and, yeah, I picked up a few more drives and, yeah, got noticed by a lot more trainers and, yeah, picked up a lot of drives. But as I said... It was Newcastle, Bathurst and Sydney. And, oh, Bulleye. I love Bulleye, yeah. A little slacky flat track, as it was known. <laughs> Glenn, you've obviously driven in so many... In fact, I think you've driven in, in excess of 15,500 races. You've partnered some terrific horses. Can I pin you down to maybe your, your, your favourite two horses, whether they were result-based, whether they won big races for you, or just a horse you loved getting behind a, to, to steer? Um. There's most probably three that I can pick okay, out. Good. Um, yep. Yeah, MJ and Graham, because he was my first Group 1 winner, and I won the race for a very good friend in Ben Setry. Mm-hmm. Um, Chariot King, he took me on a great ride. I, I picked up the drive with a little bit of luck, and I was fortunate enough to win uh, two Group 2 uh, ones on him. And, yeah, had a great ride on him. And I used to drive for Peter Carson, and he put me on a trotter called Ken O'Fame. And his really only claim to fame, as far as I'm concerned, is we went off 100 metres at Harold Park one night and the following week we come off 110 and won that. And, and he was my first exposure to the Indian Dominion Carnival. Peter, Peter put me on him and drove him in a couple of heats. He wasn't good enough, but, yeah, it was, it was a good buzz. How much longer are you going to keep going, mate? I'm not, not trying to retire you. <laughs> Uh, it depends where we're currently living. We live here in Menangle and we're currently running the premises and there's a lot of development, a lot of, you know, a lot of places getting cut up and we're just not in the financial position to rent stables up the top, you know. It's pretty, pretty limited, the space up there. So if we had to move from here and there was no other options, yeah, we'd most probably just start to scale back a bit and really the industry can't afford it, you know. Like I've just taken a leaf out of the Gallopers books and I don't want to get on a pedestal here, but all the galloping tracks in New South Wales have on-course stabling, and unfortunately at the moment, harness racing doesn't, and I know they've started to turn the dirt at Bathurst, but it's been a long time, and I know they've had a few struggles with the council, but I think, you know, harness racing nearly needs to ensure that there's on-course stabling everywhere, even in the country towns now. Stabling and having horses in your backyard is a thing of the past. Things are moving in the right direction, so uh, it's a good suggestion. And uh, you know, I think you know people who've been in and around the industry for a long time should have their brain picked, you know, to be able to hear the hear the thoughts of you guys. So uh, thanks, G Mac. We really appreciate you being on the show with us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Now we've got uh, a big week ahead. Obviously, we, we keep talking about the week that was, but we've got a big week ahead. Uh, Leighton's racing tonight, um, Freddie. We've got some really good group threes. On uh, good group threes on yeah. Saturday night, um, three in fact, we've uh, got of course the uh, uh, fr- the fast class race is a ripper, 
Um, we see uh, my horse to follow goes around in that, uh, which I'll touch on. And also, of course, those uh, terrific um, APG races as well. So we've got, uh, and we've got heats today uh, for the Colts and Geldings. The Phillies final has been sorted and, of course, features uh, Madrid, amongst others. Yeah. Yeah, Jess? Got yeah, that's up. Uh, for Madrid as well, that's the race that put her on the map last year. She won that as a two-year-old at only her second start. So excited to see them line up this year as three-year-olds as well. But in the group three that you just touched on, the Sutton McMillan free-for-all, the winner of that race also receives a golden ticket into ID22 down into Victoria. So I'm sure there'll, there'll be a few trainers that are, keen, contested, yeah, yeah. Oh, that are keen to secure that. Willy Wonka style. <laughs> nice. um, Yagara's on on Sunday and they've obviously got two race meetings. Uh, this is the, the lead up to their Carnival of Cups who, and they are renowned for doing an amazing job. They haven't been on for a couple of years because of COVID and they had a flood and that. So Jody Greenholsh and... and of her small little team that she's got there to help her out of doing an amazing job there and setting that up. So really looking forward to that. All right. So let's have a look at the Black Book. Freddie, you've already uh, alluded to something special yeah. that you're going to tip us into. Well, my Black Booker from last week is racing on Saturday, coming in Black Hawk Joe. Um, and Stingray Tara's run behind Expensive Virgo was too good to ignore and uh, its sectionals would have been terrific. So Stingray Tara for me. Yes. Yep, for me, it's Loyalist this Thursday night in the first heat of the Future Series at Penrith. It's trained by Joe Conley and it'll be making it its Australian debut, but it trialled really impressively there in 156.3 the other week. G-Mac, you going to tip us into Penrith? Yeah, I've only got two drives and um, Jeff Coach has been going good. He's a little 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 fella that we've got a lot of time for. Um, I could, I could see him winning that race on Saturday uh, thir- Thursday night and I'm driving one having its first start called Spirit of Bethany. It's very well bred. It's, um, it's had two trials and it's improved and its last trial was very impressive. It's drawn one, so a little bit of luck. She might be able to get the biscuits too. Mate, good luck to your football team. Jess, good luck to your football team, <laughs> the you. Eels. Uh, what about me? Oh, my football team's out, that's right. Year. Yeah, mine's out too. 2023 <laughs> for um, me, jeez. Good luck to the Swannies. We're obviously harness racing New South Wales. We've probably got some Cats fans out there too, but yeah, let's get around the Swannies. Good luck to all our, our drivers, trainers and connections, you know, that we all get around safely, obviously, is the first priority. But, you know, there's some winners out there for people. To everyone out there who's tuned in to episode two, hey, Little little brag note, we actually were on the charts after 24 hours last pause. week. We were on the... Oh, we need a pause. Yeah, oh, pause. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've got to get used to that. Oh, it's <laughs> a long one too. It's a bigger yeah, pause. Yeah, that big, was bigger than one, eh? Bigger pause. Yeah, um, G-Mac, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have a range of people come through and, and have a chat about their experiences and their opinions and we want to hear from more of this and... And you're gonna, we're going to continue to roll the guests through and maybe that's why we're wearing the charts, Jess. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, wait till they find out Glenn McAlady's been our guest. Wow. Chart, we, we could be number one. <laughs> oh, no. to you. Look out, podcast fans out there. Uh, to everyone who's out there who's tuned in on the Facebook stream, uh, feel free to send in your questions uh, as, we, as we live stream this show. If you're listening to us, no matter where you are, on planes, trains, automobiles, driving to and from tracks, out there working your horses or just simply sitting at a desk and going about your daily job, we do appreciate your support. Please give us a like and a share. Tell your friends, your family and... Anyone who you're standing next to on a, on a street corner or a traffic, set of traffic lights, feel free to drop it in the conversation that the sprint lane is out there and we want to we hear you. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more of the sprint lane next week, live from Tapcourt Park, Menangle. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.